Welcome to Talking Giants presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. Got some real news. We got some real news besides Devontae Booker. Back-to-back episodes. We're going to talk about the Leonard Williams uh, contract. John Ross, um, which is which is fun. And then Colin Gillespie, the maybe the most overreacted to um, Giants signing in, you know, in the life of Talking Giants, at least for 45 minutes. Justin, how are you? Vibe is certainly a lot better than yesterday, like 100% without a doubt. I think I'm just more relieved than anything, right? You know, I I think the benchmark at which you have to ask yourself for free agency, I definitely think the draft, the answer is most of the time yes. But for free agency, I think you want to ask yourself, are the New York football giants a better football team today than they were yesterday, right? That's the simple sports radio question that you want to ask about your football team. Yesterday, don't think you can say yes. They lost Alvin Tomlinson. Today, now knowing that Leonard Williams is here, now knowing that Leonard Williams, that deal being done, can allow for cap flexibility within this year, and adding on um, a wide receiver for really good depth purposes, I think we are a slightly better football team. Uh, slight, slightly. Um, I guess if we're going from yesterday, because Dalvin Thompson uh, technically was yesterday. So we're going to get into all of that. Um, first, we do have to say this episode was brought to you by three special people. Griffin Osterhouse. Good name. Osti. It's not like Aussie, like Australian. It's like put a Y in there and you got Oyster House. And that would be a great well, last like name. Well, like Osti. I'm feeling Osti is a nickname. Osti. Eli Wartman, who... Eli Wartman's a simple man radio guy and he's, he's a shooter. Uh, I, I like Eli. And then we got Daniel with no last name. I'm assuming it's Daniel Jones trying to mm. stay anonymous, and his grandma Glenda Jones sent them. Justin, who is uh, Glenda Jones' grandson and all and these two other people? Glenda Jones's grandson went to Patreon.com/slash/TalkingGiants, and for two dollars a month, they get to hang out with us as we record live shows, and they get like uh, magnets, they get free shirts and refer- uh, raffles uh, twice a month. Patreon.com/slash/TalkingGiants. We have a lot of fun. And one more thing, one more thing. We have not done this all off season. We're gonna get into the we're gonna get into the breakdowns of players and and talks about contracts in a second. Please leave a review. We haven't asked all off season. We have not asked one time all off season. It's been since before the Dallas game that we've asked for a review. Leave a review. It's the easiest thing you can do. Um, and our next our next landmark is a thousand. And me and Justin have to think of something that we promise we'll do at a thousand. I thought of maybe of, of us like jumping in the Hudson River. No. So hit us, hit us with ideas. No, that that's a, that actually might be the easiest thing we could do. No. Um, <laughs> you know, we'll th- tweet at us some ideas for that. We want to get to oh, a I thousand. Know. I know exactly what we're going to we've do. We've already taken over first place, and that's next on the list. So please leave a review. You can do it literally right now. Like, you can do it and listen at the same time. You can leave a review, listen to the podcast, and drive at the same time. It's not like it's not the hardest thing to do in the world. Oh, you want to hear what I did this morning when I was driving? Or not here? I'm going to show you. Um, I took this picture of the sunset. Uh, rise. I took a picture of the sunset in this morning. Look at this beautiful picture. It's the sunrise in the morning. Wait, hold on. Let me let me reduce the the brightness. Look at this. Look at this beautiful picture. We've all seen the sun. You know what? That this is the picture that told me that today was going to be a good day. That's that's what that picture told me. But um, you know, I I know exactly what we're gonna do for a thousand reviews. We're gonna go golfing and we're gonna vlog the entire thing. But we have to do we it can, in. We can just do. We that. have no. We have to do it in preppy vineyard vines clothes, which I know we would both hate. You think I hate golfing? I don't hate golfing. I hate golfers. And I know I'm gonna get a million comments about that. Relax, take a joke, golfers. That's the biggest issue I have with you. All right, let's get into the ep- let's get let's talk about the Giants football. Okay, people aren't here to hear about our, our our talk about golf. Let's talk about Giants football. Justin, the Giants reached an agreement 
with Leonard Williams for three years, $63 million, $45 million guaranteed, a $21 million average annual value. Justin, this was looking like it was holding the Giants up. You know, there was reports, you know, even on Tuesday saying that they weren't close to a deal. Like they were like, they're not close. It's a, it's a bad situation right now. They're in a tough situation. They get it done. Leonard Williams gets a lot of money. Me and you are very happy that Leonard Williams is on the team. Um, but we can also talk about how I, I do think the Giants fumbled this a little bit. I even, and I think it stems all the way back to the the day he was traded. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you can make the hindsight argument now. So here, you know, a lot of people didn't like how I was kind of moaning and complaining a little bit yesterday. I'm going to be completely honest. Day it happens, and looking at the bad situation that the Leonard Williams-Giants feud was, right? Or, at least, you know, the, the agents of Leonard Williams. Looking at how bad of a situation it was, now looking at the results a couple hours later, I'm very, very pleased. I'm very, very pleased. I mean, what, 40, $45 million guaranteed? You would feel like even though there would be a maybe a little bit of a cap hit for 2023, there you feel like there maybe has to be an out in 2023, right? Well, here's here's the breakdown of it. $22.5 million signing bonus. So that goes to all three years as $7.5 million per year. So the cap hit for this year um, is $11 mil. Because the contract for this year is only three and a half mil after the signing bonus, right. so this year is eleven mil. In two thousand twenty-two, next season is twenty-six and a half mil. It's big because you have the seven and a half uh, cap bonus and then eighteen and a half mil. And then in two thousand twenty-three, the the cap hit is twenty-five and a half mil. But with the forty-five mil guaranteed, it would seem that the entire contract part is voidable with the seven and a half mil being like dead cap. So with a $25.5 million uh, you know, cap hit, if they were to cut him in 2023 going into that season, they would save 18 mil. Or no, they would save, sorry, excuse me. The last year is voidable where only this, you have the 7.5 mil of dead cap and then uh, the 18 mil of, of it would free up. So if, we're, if we need 18 mil and Leonard Williams isn't living up to it, it would make sense to cut him in 2023. Yeah, and... You know, dead cap isn't the worst thing if you don't have too many decisions where you have to cut ties with players like the Giants did a couple years ago, but with Olivier Vernon, Snacks Harrison, Odell Beckham Jr., et cetera, et cetera. So if you're not in that situation, you're you're not in dead cap hell. Um, And also, like, yes, the Giants and the National Football League are expecting that the cap is going to expand. So having that low cap hit this year and putting it off to future years, even having that out for year three... I think that is a huge win. I think it's a win for Leonard Williams, and I think it's a win for us, especially, Bobby, when you look around the rest of the NFL and you're seeing the production that certain edge players have put up and then you're seeing the contracts that they're getting. I'm sorry. You can have the bias of interior defensive linemen. It's tougher for them to put up stats, which, yes, that is true. It's tougher for them to put up production. Leonard Williams has only done it sparingly throughout his career. But look at the other guys. They're not, besides Shaq, Shaq Barrett, Bobby. Shaq Barrett was the only guy that I thought was better than Leonard only Williams. Only guy. Only guy. Yeah, Shaq Barrett was the only guy, and he got the most out of those guys. He got an 18 uh, mil average annual value. Hendrickson got 15 mil. Yannick got 13 mil. Lawson got 15. Floyd got 16. Um. But to the opposite side of that, Justin, if they and I don't really feel like reliving the trade stuff, but the trade stuff put a, the Giants in a bad situation because they had to tag him coming off of his worst. Like, wasn't he wasn't bad in 2019? But the half sack that means something on the open market, only having a half a sack. So it would have been awesome to get a contract done last year, and him betting on himself and having this career year. Put the Giants where it's like, oh, well, we definitely can't lose him now. Where if Lenny Williams was just a free agent leaving the Jets and having this year, uh, he's not getting 21 mil a year. And he's not getting 45 mil guaranteed. Right. So that is the the argument that I can see where it's like that's kind of that is fru- like that is frustrating. It's not the end of the world. We have Lenny Williams, he's a good player. At the end of the day, we're probably talking about a difference of four mil a year, which is important. But I do see that side where it's like, man, this is frustrating the way this all goes down can you imagine though 
if the Giants last offseason, knowing how important last offseason was just to get good football players. You know, now now we're talking about the Giants need specific areas. The Giants need to address specific areas. Last offseason, the Giants just needed good football players. Can you imagine if we did give now I guess maybe in hindsight this 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 would have been good but then again you're betting on Leonard Williams in the first year of his deal having the breakout year of 11 and a half sacks. Can you imagine if we gave 16 million dollars average annual value to a guy that had a half a sack? He wouldn't have got that though to be fair. He wouldn't have like he would make he he wouldn't have like he wouldn't have gotten more than James Bradbury. That's what the, the that's what the tag was 16 million. Am I wrong? Yeah, but the, that's the tag has nothing to do with your production. It has to do with your position. Well, the tag, I, I think the the tag did have something to do with his salary for this contract because he knew that he didn't want to take an average annual value that was going to be less than that salary. Than yeah, that it was the second tag. year that the franchise tag number goes up, so it, it didn't have to do with his production. Um, so that that's that's the argument against it. Um, but we've we've kind of beat that to a, a pulp. And I hear so, it. But we're glad Leonard Williams is here. Yes. We couldn't lose like Leonard Williams. It was it was much more important than Dalvin Tomlinson. Now, let's talk about Leonard Williams as the player. I know we've done it a lot this offseason because of this contract situation, but we won't have to do it until his player profile and projection in camp. So let's talk about it one more time. He is not relying on Dalvin Tomlinson. So this idea that, oh, well, with Dalvin gone, he's not going to have the same production. He had nine out of his 11 and a half sacks were without Dalvin Thomason on the field. Eight of them were without Dalvin and Dexter Lawrence on the field. Before he signed with the Giants, or when he was traded to the Giants at the moment, since he had entered the league, he was third in tackles for a loss for interior defense alignment. He was third in run stops, and he was second in, run, uh, in percentage of, of tackles that had no gain or a tackle for a loss for his position. So he was always good. He didn't have the numbers that he put up this year, although he did have good numbers. You know, the half sack was the anomaly for for Leonard Williams. You know, he's had five sacks years, seven sacks years, which is very good for that position. So, and Dalvin really didn't start popping off the screen until Leonard showed up too. So Leonard Williams is not dependent on Dalvin Tomlinson. Does Dalvin Tomlinson help a lot? Is Dalvin Tomlinson an awesome player, which we'll, we'll talk about him leaving a little more? Yes, but... This idea that Leonard Williams' production is going to dip because Dalvin or dip by a lot because Dalvin's not there, uh, it's just not true, and we've talked about it in a million reasons, a million ways why this offseason. Yeah, Bobby's talked about how, in a way, Dalvin Tomlinson started to really pop off when Leonard Williams arrived. It's a team game. It's a nuanced game. You know, it's not a an X. If this happens, then this happens. You know, it's not just a black and white game, right? You know. The value of Leonard Williams, you know, even in a down year in 2019, he had 11 QB hits. He played 33% of the snaps for the Giants in 2018. You double that, that's 66% of the snaps. So that's even down, you know, what he played 74% of the snaps in 2020. So it's even a, a couple percentage points down. So he would have had 22 QB hits. Um, he would have had plenty of, he would have had four tackles for loss, which isn't great. But I look at the pressure. That that is the reason why I have always believed in Leonard Williams. The fact that Leonard Williams, despite the lackluster production in the gaudy numbers of sacks, you know, maybe even tackles for losses too, he always got pressure on the quarterback. And that is the most predictive factor of consistent productive play on the defense side of the ball as a pass rusher, is if you can get pressure on the quarterback coming up in a couple different ways. Pressures, QB knockdowns, QB hits. Leonard Williams has always done well for that, and in his 24 games in blue, he has always done well in that category. And the fact that he didn't slow down with that in 2020, like, Bobby, if he got 11 and a half sacks and 19 QB hits, I'd be very concerned. I would, I would be like, I don't know if I want to give this money. But the fact that he did get 30 QB hits, which was a career high, on an 11 and a half sack year, the fact that he did that, that reassures me that, yes, you know, what I thought in 2019, the fact that he got that pressure and then he turned it into sacks and then he turned it into more pressure, I don't think there's any sign of him slowing down. Now, if he does slow down, then you want to know what it happens. I'm wrong. I'll I'll take the fall on that since I've been the biggest. That's the risk you, you make with every free agent right. you ever. So that's, that's the risk you take with Leonard Williams. That's the risk you take with 
Shaq Barrett, Leonard Floyd, Yannick Ngakwe, Carl. Like that's that's the risk you take with any free agent where you're signing him to a multi-year deal. Yeah. Um, but what at the hopefully time they know him well enough to where that's not going to be the case. But at the time the signing is happening, and and, and I think I think I'm fair, and I think I'm a guy that I I like to look at the numbers, and typically people that do look at numbers and a- analytics people they're pretty tough on players. They they love people in analytics love to tell you that this guy isn't as good as you think, and my school of thought with Leonard Williams is there is nothing that is pointing to him slowing down right now. I'm not going to say ramping up and continuing to get better because that that would be insane, but there's no sign of him slowing down and getting pressure on the quarterback. And that is the barometer at which we need to judge Leonard Williams, not necessarily does he get more sacks than he did this year. He still needs to get the sacks, by the way. Like, you get paid this money, you need to get the sacks, though, too. Yeah, he doesn't have, like, if Leonard Williams has six sacks next year, and like you said, the pressure's around the same, he's the same player. Yeah. That's not regression. Not having the same exact stats from year to year, especially out of you know, I don't like the sacks are random because the top guys do get sacks every year, but it like it is a little bit dependent on coverage. A little, you know? very. And that's why I hate the. That's why I hate hate the term coverage sack. It's like look at every like look at Bud Dupree's like sacks. Look at all, like basically everybody besides that top top elite group of pass rushers. And they're not just beating guys in a, ha- a second and a half. And there's like, oh, well, this guy's sacks came and, you know, like he had two, three sacks games. Like, look at all the top guys. It's the same thing. They all get their best stats against bad teams. I mean, remember Khalil Mack even said versus the Giants, this is a stack game. <laughs> you know, look at Aaron Donald. Like six of his sacks came and, and two games. So I think it's when we get so in-depth with our team and looking at our players that we forget that that's the same way things happen around the re- the whole league. Yeah, there was a good tweet today. Um, it was retweeted by Eric Eager by PFF. Do you know who uh, Justice Mos- Mosquita is? No. I, I I do know that you probably didn't pronounce that correctly. Mosquita. Mosquita. That's that's what it looked like. Mas. Mas. Probably Mosqueta. Mosqueta. Well, look. Jeez, oh, I'm bad. I'm so bad. Get it. I'm so white. That's the that's the problem. Mosquita. Most sacks Laquisha. at most sacks at the NFL level are effort slash hustle coverage sacks. Watch a cut up of NFL sacks and see how many get home in five steps. Pressure is much more important than raw sack numbers and happen more frequently. I mean, frankly, you're getting pressure on the quarterback more consistent. This is just the game of football in general. You are more likely to get pressure on a quarterback than a sack. So the yeah. pressures are happening more frequently and you can put your foot you know you can put your stamp on a game arguably in the long run over a 16 game season maybe one game if you have a three sack game boom that sticks out and you automatically change the course of that game but over the course of a 16 game season if you can get consistent pressure on the quarterback um instead of just again the 10 sacks 19 QB hit number that's when you're most impactful that being said, pressure isn't a stat; it's an indicator. Yeah. You want to? We should. We should just replay our fight during the Leonard Williams PPP all over again, where we fought. Where we fought about is pressure a stat? Uh, <laughs> we have like three fights a year, and that one of them was Leonard Williams PPP, um, which is when we first started doing. Oh, here's something, Justin. I looked at our first like podcast episode video and our frame was all screwed up. Oh yeah. And both our faces are like in the camera like mm-hmm. this. It was hilarious to look back at. Well, wait, cuz I, I have I um... was much darker cuz I was doing pools out in the sun and my hair was shorter, which I need I I'm going to I think you turned down the volume of your microphone accidentally right there. Oh, I turned it way down. Wow. Yeah. Um I need to, I need to go out and get some sun. I if I'm going to go to the beach this weekend and get some sun. Oh, good. It's been it's been too long, you know. I'm I'm you know I get I get outside a little bit, but not enough. Uh, high of eighty nine on Thursday. How about that? All right, um, Justin. Anything else on Larry Williams? I'm I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy. You know, we we could look back at this next year. He could have a down year, and we could be like, God damn, we're stuck with this guy. Um, but I, I'm happy right now. He's a very good football player. You you look at the rest of the market and what the edge guys got. You know, it's like, do we really want to, uh, you know, Matt Judon's had some nice years, but still, you know, going to 
a different guy and, and you know who's going to come to a new system. I especially didn't want to give Leonard Floyd that you know that money. Leonard Floyd hasn't had a year where he's had more than twenty QB hits in his entire career, and he just got a lot, a lot of money to be <laughs> top tier pass rusher money when he hasn't even proven that much besides this year with Los Angeles. So, and he didn't even get over twenty QB hits, like I said. So he's one of those guys that got like eleven sacks, but less than twenty QB hits. So I'm happy. Happy, happy, happy. What didn't make us happy was Dalvin Thompson left. We didn't really... I don't think we gave our full thoughts on it because we did get hit with it mid-podcast last night. Um, It sucks to see him go. I mean, I was mentally prepared for this, Justin. Um, But I'm not... I'm not torn up about this. I'm torn up... Like, it sucks because you love Dalvin. You know, he was a big part of our team for a long time. You know, came with our rookie deal. I forgot to turn my phone on silent um, before we started the episode. Um, but the Giants are ready to replace him now. Like, you're not, you're not going to get the same production, but Austin Johnson, BJ Hill, those guys are ready to play and to play, you know, some important snaps. Leonard Williams, obviously Dexter Lawrence, I think is going to have, he's already good, but I think he's going to have a year three jump. And then even a guy like RJ McIntosh. So somebody harassed me today about that. Like, what do you like? And and wasn't even like on Twitter. They text me like, yeah, yeah. What do you like about RJ McIntosh? I was like, I think he does all right whenever he gets a chance. Like his his he had like two sacks, two tackles for loss, two QB hits on like a hundred snaps in 2019. And that and that doesn't mean they're all even all pass rush snaps. But long story short, the Giants are still really strong at that defensive tackle group. Where if you look back at 2020 and you say maybe they have the best of it. I, I, I would have to go and look at everyone else's group, but we are still really strong at defensive tackle. Yeah, I can't help but agree. The point that I said yesterday, um, you know, now that the the depth isn't as great, right? You know, now the Giants have gone from being one of the best defensive tackle rooms and the best defensive line groups in the National Football League. I still think to being a good unit, right? Depends on how good the depth can be. But what you're doing right now, Leonard Williams, you're signed, bud. You're getting the money. Your snap share, it's going up to almost 80%. He got 74% in 2020. His highest that he got was 87% in 2016. That was his lone Pro Bowl year. Your snap share is going up, bud. We need to rely on you. You need, you know, clearly look around. Even if the Giants get somehow a Kyle Van Noy, you're still going to be the best pass rusher on this team. And you you are still going to be the guy. You're, you're getting the money and you got to prove it. Your snap share is going to go up. You need to be the three down player. And then Dexter Lawrence. Your snap share and your snap uh, counts was only like 60%. You're a third-year player. We're expecting you to take that third-year jump. Now you're basically going to take the place of Leonard Williams. Maybe you're going to get 70% of the snaps. So then his production is going to go up a little bit. So you're not relying on the depth pieces and the rotation as much as you were in the past with the three-man rotation, but you're relying on your two main pieces just a little bit more. Yeah. And, you know, Austin Johnson put up decent film. You know, we talked about the contract, why we don't like it yesterday. Um, B.J. Hill, like and anybody who watches film is a fan of B.J. Hill. And then again, I, I think our, if you go and look at the fifth defensive tackle on every roster, I think R.J. McIntosh would probably like stack up pretty good. I know I, I, I'm an R.J. McIntosh truther. I, I really do like R.J. Um, You're Stan. I'm I'm an R.J. McIntosh stand. That, you know, I, I always that those are the type of guys. I'm a believer. R.J. McIntosh for five technique 2021. Um, I'm not going to do that campaign. That being said, there's only two Jerry Reese guys left on the roster. Do you know who they are? Evan Ingram. Quick. Quick. E- quick Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard. Yep, Evan Ingram, Sterling. Only two Reese guys left. Isn't that that's crazy? This is Gettleman's roster. <laughs> it was last year, but this is Gettleman's roster. Um, speaking of Gettleman's roster, Justin, the Giants signed John Ross. John Ross, baby. 5'11", 194 pounds, 25 years old. We all know him from the 4'2", at the Combine. Still a record. One year, $2.5 million, one mil guaranteed. So, you know, we're assuming that the one and a half is based on how much he plays or, or if he plays. Justin, I love this signing. I love this signing. It's low risk, high reward. I view it as the same way. You know, the Raiders should have viewed Nelson Aguilar last year. We'll talk about him as a player, but this this is an this is a very good contract. Um, there is no risk to this contract. You know, one mil, he's barely cracking the top fifty one with that guaranteed number. Uh 
this is this is a good contract for a guy that has a lot of talent. He has he has issues, but he has a lot of talent, and the Giants need that, and they need speed at the wide receiver group, and that's what he provides. For those of you who are maybe asking why you know why are Bobby and Justin so excited about this signing, and why were they so critical of Devontae Booker last week uh, uh, yesterday? So let's break it down this way. Bobby, who would you, at the end of the 2021 season, I say that there is a much, much higher chance that we are looking back and saying that Ross has a much more of an impact versus Booker. I think there's more. I think there's a but better chance. But if Saquon chance. gets hurt, Booker turns into running back one, and so that gives him a better chance. But if Saquon stays healthy, then yes, absolutely, Ross has a bit, uh, a probably a bigger yeah. impact if he makes the roster. There's a chance he could make. Like he, there's a chance Ross could not make this roster. Say they do end up getting a wide receiver in free agency, they draft one in the second round, and Dante they like Dante Pettis more than Ross. So there, there's there's also a chance he doesn't even make the roster. Where Freeman is going to make the roster. Devontae Booker. We did. We keep screwing that up on Devon. It's it's the Devontae first name. It's Devontae. One of my uh, high school teammates, Devontae Pegues. His name was spelled P E G U E S, and it was always funny to see the uh, opposite, the road announcer, Pegues, um, Pegus, like Pegasus. I mean, he got it all. It was uh, it was always a good time. But part of the reason why we're a little bit more giddy about this signing is because it's a value signing. Like the yeah, because there is no risk, but the reward is kind of high. Now, uh, th- this does the not ceiling is a lot higher than Freeman too. Uh, Freeman's twenty nine. Oh, you said Freeman again, Booker, and a part of it is the Broncos having a running back named Royce Freeman too. Oh, it's screwing. <laughs> just, that's just a lot of bad things. Um, yeah, I, I don't want I don't want to keep on talking about Booker and why we maybe don't like about that deal. I mean, go go listen to yesterday's, yesterday's episode. But again, very little risk. And let's just talk. To, I, I want to talk about him as a player because I'm very excited about what he kind of presents as a player, and that's why we're ex, that's why we're excited about the signing. In 2020, he only played 86 snaps on offense. Uh, he got COVID. Um, and then he asked for a trade and even tweeted about it. Like, 2020 was just bad for John Ross. But in 2019, he played eight games, 28 catches, 506 yards, and three touchdowns. So, in eight games, he had 506 yards, which, you know, for a full season, puts him at a 1,000-yard receiver. Um, 18.1 yards per catch, which is what we need. And then a 50% catch rate. His catch rate is, is horrible. In 2018, he played 13 games, had 21 catches, 210 yards. Get this. On 21 catches, this dude had seven touchdowns. That is an insane ratio. That's just that 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 number is crazy to me. Uh, 36% catch rate, which is that's brutally bad. Um, and then 10 yards per catch. He's a big play. He's a big play guy. He is an electric. When you watch him, it's like wow. That being said, he has some injury issues. You know, he's had, um, you know, knee, shoulder, groin injuries. He's had injury issues basically every single year for the Bengals. And this guy takes heat off of Evan Ingram with the way he drops the ball. His drops are so bad. Like, it's crazy. I I broke, I went through three games of film. He had nine drops. And then you did, like, the numbers for, like, 18 and 19. The drops are unreal. Like, I... I it makes me like have some compassion on Evan Ingram how how bad John Ross's drops are. Yeah, John Ross, uh, he had a to- he had a combined fifteen drops in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen, and I think they were pretty relatively staggered within each. Like there were seven in one year, eight in the other year, so it wasn't like one year was overwhelming uh, compared to the next. So that's a problem. But is it is it strange that I just viewed that problem as catch the ball? Like even you know, for example, Evan Ingram had a drop problem like his rookie year, and then 2018, 2019, we weren't talking about his drop problem, and then he started playing hot, uh, hot potato volleyball again. Um, so why do I just feel like you're a wide receiver, you're a skill position player, you fix it, just catch the ball? So I I talked with our friend James Rapine who came on for our Bengals preview episode of Sports Illustrated. He covers the Bengals. He's just like, hey, he had like a, he had a confidence issue, like it it. He is someone who needs a change of scenery. He was drafted ninth overall. That's such high 
lofty expectations when you get drafted ninth overall. And he just didn't live up to that. So he's like, he's like, he needs to change the scenery. Um, you know, and he's like, there wasn't a ton of creativity in Cincinnati when he was here. Um, we won't talk about, um, our offense at the moment, but he's like, he, he, like he, he definitely has a talent, a lot of talent. And he's why he's drafted ninth overall. Um, so, and he's just a big play machine. And that's what the giants desperately need is big plays and his speed. If they use it correctly, it's not going to, he's not going to get number one wide receiver, um, you know, like attention, but it gets, it brings attention. Yeah. It gets you more off coverage. It gives Darius Slayton options. And, and we know they're going to do something else at wide receiver, whether it's in free agency or draft. Um, so which means he can have, you know, those cornerback two reps and, and burn guys. So, uh, if they use him correctly, if he comes in with a good attitude, a changed mindset, uh, we can see. I, I can see a lot of big plays for for John Roth. I mean, look at you know Nelson Aguilar. You know when he he had to change the scenery uh, with the Raiders and you know had an awesome year. Yeah. And look at the contract he got. So John Ross can uh, can he can have you? We can we can look back at this and be like, man, what a steal! I wish we would have got him for two years. And we can also look back at it and say, up, oh, this just resulted in nothing, which isn't bad. Like it's not. Yeah, that's the thing. It's not a who like it's like okay, move on. Who cares? It's not know? like we're talking about why did we give Devonte Book? I'm sorry. Why did we give Devonte Booker six million dollars, three million dollars, whatever, to just do nothing to get ten percent of the snaps when Saquon Barkley was getting eighty five and ninety percent of the snaps? So <laughs> that's why this deal is so good because it's like, oh, he's a fun and an exciting player about what he can do. But it's also there's no risk if it just doesn't work out, or even if he doesn't even make the team, which would kind of hurt. But with the injury history, you know, if, it's, if there's an injury bug that kind of pops up in training camp, he's probably not making the team. But in terms of the big playability, and Bobby, I even want to talk about some of your uh, your film breakdown. I don't watch a lot of your film breakdowns because I don't want to steal your takes, but I wanted to watch this one. But some more advanced stats, 15.6 average depth of target in 2019 for John Ross. That's pretty, that's a very large average depth of target. 7.1 yards after the catch per reception in 2019. I need to just say, I know, you know, he only had 28 catches, right? But how impressive it is to have seven yards after the catch when you are targeted so far down the field. I, I, I don't want to say it's unheard of. I, I, I don't. But in terms of his yards after the catch numbers, um, John Ross had a positive, let's see, what was his positive? Expected yards after the catch per reception. It was a total of... Let's see. It was it was almost two yards. So again, the expected yards after the catch per reception, based off the player tracking data, you know where where the nearest defender is to you, where you are, you know how where you are on the field, how far down the field you caught the ball. You are they're able to track how much yards after the catch you are expected to get. And John Ross averages two two yards above the expectation. Um, so that's really really good. But the yards after the catch, considering how far how, and how deep he catches the ball, it's really, really good. 22 first downs on 28 catches. We talked about the 15 drops. And talking about a separation, too, which it's rare to get good separation when you're also catching the ball deep down the field because typically you have a safety on top of you or you have a corner on top of you. And this is where his speed comes in. Looking at all of the guys who averaged over 14 and a half yards, air yards per target. So this includes Darius Slayton, by the way. All the guys in 2019 that tar that had 14 and a half air yards per target, John Ross had the most separation out of all those guys. And there were 11 guys that had more than 14 and a half air yards per target. Really, really good for what the limited sample size. Big play machine. Um, like I said, he's got an injury issue, a serious drop issue. This is a, a low risk, high reward. That's the way... That's the way we do it. But uh, I have a question I, I for love, you. I, I hope I have an answer. I saw in your film breakdown that, and I'm glad I saw this, that a lot of the coverages and a lot of the defenses Ross was facing in your video was when the Bengals were playing like single high safety, where you know it was man, a lot of a lot of man coverage. And what did the Giants offense face in 2020? They faced a lot of single high safety, yes. and they faced a lot of man coverage. So, Bobby, uh, you watched the film; you broke it down. Can you talk to us a little bit about how Ross can use his speed, and you know, it can, do the Giants have to use him in some sort of complicated, 
complex way that they need to create something if if this guy is going to work. No, off coverage, he he's good at those out routes. And here's something I pointed out in the video is when was and I Odell was the king of this, so I'm not looking for Odell level of this. Um, by the way, drama queen, uh, uh, Odell second act. It's like boy, you need attention bad. Um, anyways, he was the king of this. When was the last time a Giants receiver took a slant and took it and get, got 30 yards of it? It was Darius Slayton versus the Jets in 2019. Yep. That's it's it just it didn't happen. I'm not even saying for a touchdown, just for an extra 20 yards. It it that does not happen where it's like we get the slant and go. And versus tight man coverage against blitzes, the Giants were blitz ton. You should see some of those. You should see some of those. And I think that was my biggest complaint with Tate. It was like you know he was doing things in an unconventional way where it's like man, wh- why can't we get a slant out of you for an extra you know extra 20 yards? That's the type of stuff Ross does. And when teams run that, you know, double A gap blitz on third down, and then they pop the guys out, which makes it really hard to read what the defense is doing. And, you know, you have to set plays to be ready for the blitz, but then they don't blitz. So these routes are quicker hitting. You put Ross up the seam on that. Defenses start stop doing that type of stuff when you do that. Defense stop doing that type of stuff when you when they realize, oh my, we this play, we're trying to get cute, may lead to six points. It may lead to six points. So that's the type of stuff that the speed that John Ross has does for the Giants. And that's why, like I said, we're, we, it sounds like we're talking like we signed Kenny Galladay, but it's just, it's so, it's an exciting move. John Ross is an exciting move. It could end up turning into nothing, but it's an exciting move. Yeah, and the critique of the Giants that we literally had yesterday is we're, we're overpaying for debt players. And, you know, the uh, we kind of challenged the Giants. The Giants need to find their Nelson Aguilar. The Giants need to find their mid-tier player that they can get on the cheap, and then he overexceeds expectations. You know, Bobby, you know, we're, we've been in such a point these last few years where the Giants have been so bad, and then we're constantly just relying on, oh, we have another top 10 pick, and we're going to expect the world out of that top 10 pick. Oh, we have a lot of cap space, so we're going to expect the world out of you know, the guys that we sign and guys that we overpay, you know, Nate Solder is the biggest example, you know, a, a guy that we have to overpay simply because we need a body. We've done too much of that. You know, even 2016 is, is an example of all this. You know, we're signing, you know, players that we just are expecting the world out of, but we're just giving all these resources. We need to, you know, we need to invest another top 10 pick in, in a player that we expect the world out of. We're even in that position this year at wide receiver. Um, which isn't a bad thing to have all these top 10 picks. It's a, it's a good thing to invest in capital, but the Giants haven't had those investments that they put that they haven't had a lot of investment in that have panned out and it's been like a surprise. Um and this signing has the potential to do that. And there's there hasn't been many signings where we have been excited about the value at which the Giants got that player. And this is one of the players that we do feel excited about. And I would say as much as it is a priority of getting wide receiver talent in the building, getting some more offensive line help. The priority this offseason has to be how can the Giants as an offense stop defenses from blitzing against them? How can they stop just saying, oh, we can play sync, we can we only have to put one safety towards the middle of the field. There's sometimes, Bobby, there were no deep safeties. Zero deep safeties. Nobody was patrolling over the middle deep part of the field because, again, there, there was just no trust or no investment a defense would put that the Giants are going to throw the ball deep. There was none. So that's priority yeah. number one this offseason of how can we defeat that mentality that defenses have against us. Yep. And we expect some type of addition of wide receiver, whether it's draft or agency, maybe both. So there's, there's no pressure on John Ross. Where with the Bengals, you know how it is, man. Expectations are, matter. Expectations are, they they just they just matter, you know. Even the way you know a fan base thinks of you, you know, like Evan Ingram. Like, okay, here's something. We're talking about Ron John Ross. We're excited about him. He has a ton of drops. Bengals fans, when they think of John Ross, they probably think of him the same way as we think about Evan Ingram, even to a worse extent, because at least Evan Ingram has been somewhat consistent in production, where. Some it's it's just a change a change of scenery sometimes is a good thing. Where if if the if the Chiefs were to go pick up Evan Ingram, they'd be like, hey, he's got some drop issues, but we can work with this type of talent, 
and he doesn't have those first round expectations. So um, a change of scenery is good. So uh, anything else you have on John Ross? Yeah, and, and to be clear, John Ross does not take us out of the running for Kenny Galladay. No. John Ross doesn't take us out of the running for anybody. N- John Ross does not take us out of the running for Jalen Waddle, uh, Kyle Pitts, nobody. So I mean, this is again a good depth signing that has the potential to be something but are we surprised if it's nothing no 2016 at the university of washington john ross 81 catches 1150 yards 17 touchdowns dante pettis 53 catches 822 yards 15 touchdowns them boys combined for almost 2000 yards and 32 touchdowns in one season can they replicate that no but that's kind of a cool connection though yeah. What number is he going to wear? 15? Yeah. The dreaded number 15 on the Giants? I mean, 11 was the number that he... Well, no. 11 was... Phil Sims is 11. Hmm? He was 15, and then he changed to number 11. Right. Who's number 11 right now? Phil Sims is 11. That number's not retired. But it's... it. The Giants don't retire numbers. They're going to retire Eli's number. I think that might be the first time. Like, did they even? I don't think they even technically retired Strahan's, did they? I don't think so. They retired all like the, um, you know, the the vets back in the day. And I don't. I think there's like. I think there's, they're not retired, but it's like it's known. Like nobody, you're not taking number ninety two. I want. I want John Ross to. Here, I'll look it up. Giants retired. Numbers. I want John Ross to get number eleven. And I want He's him. Not, they're not going to give him number eleven. I want when, him showing up in sunglasses. Number eleven day one. is retired. Ooh. Oh, that's San Francisco. Yeah, Giants. no, the San Francisco Giants. I was like, no, it's. Do you not. think they ever meet up? Um, I think they meet up all the time. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> that's a great call. Let's see. No, no. Phil Sims. He Phil Sims is retired. It's actually retired. The number is retired, or Phil Sims the player is retired. The number is retired. I... Michael Strahan's is not though. Numbers are Ray Ray Flaherty, number one. Um, tough Tuffy Lehman's. What a name! Like I think these guys are like um, vets. Mel Hine. Yeah. Phil Sims. The ones you know. Phil Sims, Wyatt Tittle, Frank Gifford. Um, is Emlyn Tennell retired? It's messed up if he's n- not. No. Joe Morrison, um, Lawrence Taylor, and, and the, the rest of these guys I don't know. And really Eli's going to be retired. But Phil Simms' number is retired? Yes. I don't think he – I'm sorry. I don't think he deserves that. I do. All of my – You win a Super Bowl as a QB and, and you're no – like if it wasn't for Eli, if Eli just never comes around the Giants never figure out a QB, Phil Simms is still – is held in high regard. It's just – him doing TV and all like it's kind of distanced himself away from the franchise and you know the um you know Hosteller winning the second Super Bowl kind of put a little taint on it but but I I think Phil deserves that number to be retired. I like this little bleeding blue talk we got going on right now. Um Giants History podcast, check that out. I me and Snacks do it. But everybody that I've talked to and this includes people that watched Phil Sims, my father included and even some people that have interacted with us in the bleeding blue comments and the in the live chat People have said, yeah, Phil Simms wasn't that great. But then you see, you like, I do see some of the throws that he makes. And I actually, I, I want to do a little bit more watching. And as time goes on, I want to be more familiar with kind of how he played a little bit more. Because some of the throws that he made was like, oh my God, this is insane. That was an insane throw. But then you talk to people that actually watched him. And it was like, yeah, he wasn't that great. But his Super Bowl was amazing too. Yeah. I mean, 25 for 28. Yeah. All right, Justin, last on the list for this episode, the Giants signed fullback Cullen Gillespie, 6'2", 235 pounds, 25 years old. He's only played 20 offensive snaps the past two years for the Texans, 390 on special teams. He was a special teams guy at Texas a and Texas A&M, and even had a block punt um, return uh, for a touchdown against, or it was a safety against Alabama, on, and that was pretty hype. I always assume that he's going to compete with Elijah Penny, which is fine and and here's something you know how people are like oh the fullback doesn't matter anymore the fullback has made a comeback now it's not it's not the the comeback that it was in the 90s but the fullback has made a comeback and then i'll, I'll let people say we need offensive minds like kyle shanahan you know we need an offensive mind like kyle shanahan 
You know who pays the, the highest money in the NFL to a fullback? Kyle Shanahan. You know who also does? The Kansas City Chiefs with Sherman, who retired. Good offenses have a good fullback, and it's something I've always wanted, and I I like, I like wasn't a fan of Penny. Now, Penny played well towards the second half of last year um, as, as a blocker, but one, you have to be a special teamer in today's, um, today's NFL as a fullback, and that's what these guys are going to do. They're going to come in and compete. Best man will win. So either Elijah Penny or Cullen Gillespie will be cut come 53-man cut day. Maybe even before that. I mean, the Giants had two fullbacks on the roster last year. Remember the kid out of Pitt? What was his name? And they ended up cutting him? George, George Aston. So, like, so this is the same thing as last year. The reaction to this pissed me off so bad, Justin. I was driving home. I I saw that it happened. I was parked at a... I, I, I stopped at a light. Then Danny King texted us. Well, we were on the phone. Then Danny King texted us. I was about to stop at a stop sign. Leonard Williams got extended. Totally, totally left my mind that the Giants signed a fullback. That was the timeline. I, I'm i doing a film breakdown on him, by the way. You are? Good for you. Yeah, why not? Why wouldn't I? The reaction to this was like, they need to get their priorities right. It's like, do you think we're hanging? They're like, they're like, hey, Kenny Galladay's agent. Please shut up for a second, okay? We're trying to get like, this, is, this shows a bad look. Guess what happened 45 minutes later? Leonard Williams. 10 minutes after that. John Ross. Okay. They it's not like it's Dave Gettleman in a room and he's just talking like it's just him one on one doing all the free agency moves. The reaction to this was so it was the silliest thing I've seen in a long time. And we tried to not talk to Twitter on the on the episode, you know. It's like, you know what? We don't this podcast isn't about Twitter. Oh my gosh, the reaction to this was comical the way people were reacting to it. I want to do a sketch. Um I'm the Giants, you're Kenny Galladay's agent. I want you to call me on the phone. Not actually call me, but just like pretend to call me on the phone um, and ask like, hey, do you want to talk about a contract now? All right, I'm ready. You let me know. When. Okay. Your call has been forwarded. I'm actually going to call I you. Said, don't, I said don't actually I, call I me. I want to actually call well, you. Well, my phone's on Do Not Disturb. Hold on. You don't get phone calls on Do Not Disturb? I do. No, well, you have to call me twice. That's what happens. All right, go ahead. Call me. Hello, New York Giants. Hey, it's Kenny Galladay's agent. Um, thanks on the Austin Johnson contract. We're waiting on what? What's what's the offer? We should just talk with uh, Miami. Shut up! 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 We need we need to finish. We hate anyone who worked for the Patriots at one time. So shut up! I know it's useless for us to be talking. Shut up! Shut up! I need to finish talking with this fullback and goodbye. Screw you. That's how, in a lot of people's minds, that's These how damn that Patriots went. coaches. That's how. That's how that went. I shut up, shut up, shut up, Kenny Galladay. I need to talk to this fullback. <laughs> the reaction was brutal. Um, here's this video that he did, which is hilarious. It is Earth Day, my dudes. <laughs> He's a ball of energy. He would fit in great on like. If he ends up making the team, he like he has to he has to be a twenty twenty two, um, talking Giants offseason interview. Yes, one hundred percent. And that will happen. So it was him <laughs> for the for you know if you didn't see the video, it was a uh, him in a blazer, a uh, little little gut sticking out. He's got like a, he's got like a, a cool hair, cool facial hair, blonde kind kind of looks like Bobby Skinner except just more facial hair, um, and shape. And and in shape, Bobby Skinner, you're in great shape. We also both enrage the Giants fan base sometimes. Both enrage the Giants fan base, so they have so much in common. And then he said, "It's Earth Day, my dudes." Ah! Uh, it's Wednesday, my dudes. Actually, it is Wednesday when you're listening to this. He was, hey, here's something. Wait, did he here's say a little... Wednesday or Earth Day? Earth Day, but the the initial video that he's parroting is the it's oh. Wednesday, my dudes. Okay. Uh. Uh, that's a that's a it's just a dumb video. Um, here's something. Here's a little let's culture talk. That should be a segment. Culture talk. This guy wore number twelve for Texas A and M, which signifies the twelfth man. How about that? Culture wow. talk. Ball of energy. Um, I hope I hope he wins the job for off uh, uh fullback. How about that? Have we said publicly that Elijah Penny has uh bailed on us twice for an interview? Yeah, but also someone replied to our tweet saying like they met him and literally bought him like gifts 
for Xmas. So it's we like, have heard that Elijah Penny is a very nice person from multiple people, including I think some beat reporters. Like he's nice to some beat reporters to really talk to, but to us for whatever reason, doesn't like us. So tough. Yeah. Talking Giants. We first tried. We we tried to get him on before the 2019 season. Nothing. 2020. We had an we had an interview set up for him. Never heard back. So never fooled me once. Shame on you. Fooled me twice. Can't get fooled again. Fool me three times. Sign a new fullback and root for him. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 what we should do. Hey, Elijah Penny, want to get for come on for an interview now? Um, and then we'll have Cullen on, and we'll it'll be like a, you know those prank calls where you call the pizza places at the same time and have them talk to each other. Oh, cool. And we'll just do a, an ambush interview of the fullbacks. Um, Fight. <laughs> so a good if he's a good fullback, I I I got some reps in. I did find a clip of. I'll save it because I don't want people stealing our stuff. Um, but uh, you know, this is a this doesn't do like if he's good, if he's good, if he's not, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, even though it, it sends a bad message. Um, anyways, boy, people are on edge. I get it. All right, um, so here, here's how we're gonna end off the show. Moving forward. And maybe there's a chance by the time you're listening to this, this conversation doesn't matter. But there's a reason why we're having it at the end. Um, Would you rather the Giants from here on out try to create some more cap space, which there's ways, ways in which they can do that, create some more cap space to try and plug some more holes, maybe a, a, a CB2, maybe a Kyle Van Noy, you know, a, a Jordan Jenkins, right? If they want to go CB2 and then uh, a, a cheap edge rusher from there, Kyle, bring back Kyler Fackrell. Do we want to see plug a few more holes or let's just dive into Kenny Galladay and then... Kenny Galladay and Kyler Fackrell. And then kind of do nothing after that. That's that's where yep. you're at? Bring back Colt McCoy. That's my that's my dream for the rest of free agency. Uh, okay. So that's it. So we'll see. Um, I, again, I don't know what I want back yet. To, I don't know what I want yet. Um, we did back to back episodes, so we're gonna wait. You know, we'll we'll play it by ear. Get big news. We'll do another episode. Um, if we get another John Ross type signing, we won't. We'll wait until until we get something. Um, we'll have something out by Friday by at the at the at the latest. So we appreciate you guys. Make sure to leave a review, even if you're driving. We'll see you guys on the next one. Until then, let's go. Big Blue.